G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Coming up today on The Story. We could just see that Cody really struggled socially. And then at this this church we were at, we had some wonderful friends who had a boy that was actually 12 hours younger than Cody. But we could just see that Cody wasn't at the same emotional maturity as this other little boy. Although he physically looked the same, the behaviour was markedly different. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, today we have part three of our conversation with special support educator Louise Griffiths. She is also a lecturer in special education at Eastern College Australia. Louise has been sharing with us about her journey as a parent of a child with special needs. Her son Cody was born profoundly deaf, but as he got older, they began to suspect there was something else at play. Louise then set off to learn everything she could about being a parent of a child on the autism spectrum. This eventually impacted her career direction, as well as her desire to help other parents going on a similar journey. Now, here's more of Louise Griffith's conversation with Eric Scadabo in our Melbourne studios. There's this thing called the catastrophe scale where you rate from zero to ten how upsetting something is. Um, So zero would be, you know, you need to replace a battery on your watch and 10 would be like your parents being taken away from you and you're never seeing them again. Mm -hmm. So Cody thought that me not giving him lasagna for dinner was a level 10 on the catastrophe scale. Oh, wow. He genuinely thought that not getting his favourite meal was a level 10. And so you could sort of see that this kid wasn't seeing the world. Yeah. Yeah. We also discovered in the afternoon that when we picked him up from school, he had to have afternoon tea Mm. and he must have afternoon tea before he had dinner. And there was one time where we'd sort of been a bit busy. I don't know what had happened, but we got home. It was dinner time and Cody was like, I haven't had afternoon tea. We're like, no, no, you missed afternoon tea. Here is dinner. I have to have afternoon tea. And there's Mm. tears and there's... I'm like, no, no. Like a meltdown happening? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I've got to have afternoon tea. I'm like, there's dinner. And he goes, I need afternoon tea. I said, well, this is called afternoon tea. (laughs) We'll Um, just call it dinner (laughs) afternoon tea, okay? Yeah, and I was like, wow, that is really, really rigid thinking. Yeah, which we can pause and say that is a characteristic of Yeah, so in my head I'm going- Wanting a routine. Yeah, so in my head I'm going, wow, this kid is struggling with social communication and social interactions. Mm -hmm. Yep. And this kid also really needs his routines. Mm-hmm. And at the moment, he's fixating on the school afternoon tea dinner routine. Mm-hmm. And so my little spidey senses were pricking up going, I think he's got autism. Because mm-hmm. those is, are two main characteristics of autism. That's right. So wanting to engage in repetitive actions or a rigid routine mm-hmm. and the difficulty in social communication. Yeah. And for a diagnosis of autism, there both has to be a problem in both those areas Mm -hmm. 
and it needs to have been present from a young age, mm-hmm. which, looking back, I knew yeah. those things were. Yeah. So I'm still saying to the teachers, there's something going on and they're still going, oh, nice. Um, and I don't fault those those teachers because they don't see what's happening at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because Cody was doing what they call masking, where you wear a mask at school, basically. You hide your emotions, you keep it all together, and then when you're in a safe place, kaboom, it all comes out. And you, as the mother, yeah. see the safe place That's right. where he yeah. takes off the mask. That's right. And so we went to a paediatrician, and this time an incredible Jewish man. This journey has taken me or has given me the opportunity to meet so many people that as a child you'd think you wouldn't, you know, need to relate to. But this incredible Jewish man who respects our faith Mm. so much, and we respect his faith and dearly pray that he will come to know Jesus. Mm. Um, But he agreed with me that Paul Cody had been doing speech therapy since he was 10 weeks old. We had taught him how to behave appropriately. He knew how to speak politely to adults. He knew how to say the right things to his peers. So that all the work we'd been doing to support his deafness was actually covering the symptoms of autism. Because he could appear He could he normal. Could do all the right things. So when they did a survey to say, does the child look you in the eye? Yes. Does the child... Because he was taught to do that. Yeah. He was taught all those things from a very, very young age. And he spoke very well because he had been in speech therapy since he was 10 weeks old. Mm. So... It was an unconventional diagnosis Mm. because teachers and other outside people couldn't see all those factors, but I knew the factors were either there Mm. or we had trained it out of him. Mm. Um, Which normally would be a good thing, but in this case, it was masking a deeper problem. Yeah, and it was really, um, as I say to people, that when you do get the diagnosis of autism, it's not like your child has suddenly become autistic. They have held that Hmm. condition since birth. Um, You've been trying to support that child since birth with that condition. But once somebody in a medical field actually says, I think it's autism, it actually explains Hmm. why all those things happen in your child's... All those quirky things you've seen over the years. Yeah, it explains why those things were happening. And also, it's like opening up the amazing cupboard that's got all the strategies and skills and government funding (laughs) to support that child. Mm -hmm. So, if you brought two children to me, theoretically, Mm -hmm. as, as a teacher... And you said to me, right, Louise, this child has got autism and this child has not been diagnosed with anything. I will immediately know that I need to give this child time. I need to check that they're feeling comfortable. I will bring out all my strategies to support that child even before they've said a single word to Mm. me because I know what I need to do Mm -hmm. to support this child. There's a path. There's a strategy. There are There's a way forward. Yeah. And quite frankly, as an awesome teacher, you would hope that the teacher would do that for all the kids because mm. everyone benefits from strategies that support children with autism. Is that right? I would everyone have thought there benefits. would be different things. 
No, everyone benefits. Everyone benefits from clear instructions. Everyone benefits from time to think. Mm. Everyone benefits from having a classroom that isn't cluttered with junk and stuff mm. hanging from the ceiling. We, we all benefit, mm. but the benefits are obvious for a child with autism. Because it's rubbing against them yeah, if these things aren't there. Yeah. So um, we all benefit mm. when we actually make sure we consider people with additional needs and with sensory mm. needs. Mm-hmm. And that goes for the church as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you feel when you go to a church and they can't quite get the sound desk right and there's some weird oh, yeah, squeaking yeah. noises. Like, man, if we actually get that right, we all benefit. Mm. But for a person with autism, they may actually be feeling physical pain mm. as that microphone is squeaking uncontrollably. Mm. And it may So mean- it's going to impact them. Yeah. A lot more than just a yeah. little annoyance. And make the experience of going to church so painful mm. that they may not return. Mm. So that's something that schools, churches can learn. Because in society, there are so many people these days somewhere on the autistic spectrum. Yeah. So it's good yeah. for all of us to know about this, not just parents. Oh, no. It's, it's the most loving thing we can do mm-hmm. as a church is to keep in mind the needs of the people that are coming. And it's also a way that we can serve our brothers and sisters. Fair enough, I might be in a family with three robust kids who aren't phased by anything, but for the sake of the family who've got a child who is incredibly anxious coming to church, Mm. maybe I will provide a quiet space in the corner of the church. Maybe we will um, just reduce the volume of the band just that little bit. Mm. Like there are things we can do mm. that doesn't detract from the experience of worship for anyone else, but for the family with the child on the autism spectrum, that could make the world of difference. I think I've heard, not to get too far off the topic, but I've heard that there are now sports stadiums that have quiet rooms just for people on the spectrum. Just where the, That's right. the, all the flashing lights and sirens and whatever's happening at a stadium yeah. is just too much. They have a quiet room they can just go to and just There was actually a concert decompose recently. or something. Yeah, decompress. Decompress. Yeah, or de- Deca- yeah. Decompose. That wasn't the word. Decompress. Yes. Yes. And interestingly, um, I run a camp every summer mm-hmm. and on the registration form, families can let us know if their children live with anxiety or depression or autism. Mm. And we actually have a chill zone that youth can- A chill take, zone? Yeah, take advantage of. We've got camp parents in there, so two adults that can support them. Mm-hmm. And there was a fear that maybe youth would abuse this chill zone. Mm. If they want to get out of the talk, they'll just go to the chill zone. Mm-hmm. But we found that because in schools now there is a recognition that some students need a space, they need a break- Youth are really respectful of not abusing a space that's meant for those that Mm. need it. Mm. So when I popped into the chill zone during the camp, I found the youth there were all known to me because they were all Mm. said they were living with an additional need of some sort. Mm. And the kids who didn't need that service just didn't use it. Mm -hmm. But it cost us nothing Mm. to provide that. And it didn't interfere with the experience of worship and good Bible teaching for Most of the kids Mm -hmm. who didn't need it and those who did need it were able to use it. Mm -hmm. What a gift. It was awesome.
You're listening to The Story. Today, once again, special support educator Louise Griffiths is sharing about her journey as a parent of a child with special needs. We'll hear more of her story when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. Our guest today is once again Special Support Educator Louise Griffiths, who is also a lecturer in special education at Eastern College Australia. Before the break, Louise shared about her life as a parent of a child on the autism spectrum. Next, we'll hear more of her insights as she continues her chat with Eric Scadabo. Okay, so in 2015, you returned to teaching, and as you said earlier... There was now many more people with autism in classrooms. Why do you think there was such an increase in autistic students over the years? It was so dramatic. I'd been out of the classroom for about eight years. Um, A lot of things changed in that time. I missed the whole smart board era, which is this weird era between blackboards and whiteboards. That was just (laughs) a weird thing that I missed entirely. But I came back and suddenly having three, four, five students in your class who had been diagnosed with autism was the norm. Mm -hmm. Whereas when I started teaching in 2000, to have one child with autism was almost surprising. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so there'd been a shift in diagnosis and in student behaviour in that time. And people often ask me about why the change, why the shift. Yeah. And there's actually a, a really great educator called Sue Larkey and she actually um, has a great website and does a lot of training for parents who want to understand more about autism and how to support students or children on the autism spectrum. But she explains it so well that in the 80s and 90s when I was in school, especially the early 80s, We all sat in neat rows and we all Mm -hmm. had those desks with the lift-up lids Mm -hmm. and all our books were in the desk and our pens were neatly on the top. I didn't use ink, but there was the inkwell hole still. Going way back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And you even had a bar at the front of the desk near the floor where you could rest your feet or have a bit of a wiggle and Mm -hmm. the teacher wouldn't know about it. And school was very routine. There were no big exciting excursions too much. I remember Mm. going to the sewerage farm but never understood why. Um, But there was very, (laughs) you know, like a school was just routine. You were there nine till three. going back to the characteristics, one of the main characteristics of people on the autistic spectrum, routine, rigid routine is very comforting. That's right. Not wanting change. Yes. So school enforce that routine. There weren't surprises. Your teacher didn't come in in a gorilla suit on Friday just for fun. There weren't random dress-up days through Mm -hmm. the term. It was just that was the routine. So you're saying, to sum it up, was back then school being more full of routines was more compatible with somebody who was on the spectrum because it gave them what they wanted, that routine, that order. That's right. And the shops were shut on Saturday and Sundays. Mm-hmm. So Saturday, you might go play the footy match or the netball. So life was more compatible life for was somebody calm, and comforting. Compatible, predictable. Your parents, usually just your dad, worked nine to five. It was so 
predictable. There was Which not is much what after school. They want. That's right. Now we've got a society where there is so much pressure on you as a parent to enroll your child in additional activities, even. From a young age, you're taking your child to music Soccer, lessons and teeny tiny dance. Music, yep. Everything is happening. If you're not running around madly with your child taking them to lessons, they've got their face in front of a device and are watching high-speed YouTube videos on every topic under the sun. And the pace is just frantic. And so our children are being bombarded with stimulation all the time and so for kids who have a predisposition to showing autistic traits, they are going to show themselves. Mm. So, if, so the threshold for a meltdown is going to be reached more absolutely, in a disorderly absolutely. school than in one that was yeah. in order. So I discovered with my son that if I took him to the quiet local shops, I could wander around for two hours quite happily. If I took him to, as it was in Sydney, Penrith Plaza, where there was lights and noise and chaos, he would lose it within 45 minutes. And it's because the sensory overload hit so much faster. And so it's very possible, and it happens as a teacher, that I have to have a meeting with parents quite early in their child's education to say, I don't think your child is is coping with the pace of the classroom. They seem to become stressed and overwhelmed very easily. Do you notice that at home? And the parents will say, well, no, because at home we have a very quiet house. We don't have many visitors. I work from home. My husband's home at five o'clock every night. And they describe this beautiful, peaceful, routine household. And I get to say to them, no wonder your child is overwhelmed and not coping because school is the complete opposite to how you have raised your child. Mm. I'm so sorry that your child is experiencing this. Mm. And that's the beginning of the journey. Mm. And often um, the reason why the parents have got such a routine, quiet, calm household is because they are also on the autism spectrum. And so they are simply Mm. providing for their child what works for them. So you're on this journey, you have a child. You now know that you have a child on the autism spectrum, yep. then developed a number of side issues out of that. Tell us about the side yeah, issues. Look, it's really interesting. When you've got a child who is deaf and is wearing cochlear implants, people accept the things that will come with deafness. They well, will it's accept, quite obvious. Yes. It's obvious, mm-hmm. and they will accept that sometimes Cody will mishear things. Mm-hmm. Um, they accept that Cody will be more tired than most kids because the effort of listening with cochlear implants is exhausting. Mm. The struggle with autism is that whether people openly admit it or not, they have a sense that you can control or manage the symptoms of autism on your own. Mm. So, But even going back, there is no physical characteristic of no, being autistic. no. No. From the outside, looks like a normal child. That's why, exactly why aren't they behaving right. like exactly a normal child? Exactly right. So, and for Cody, because he um, is what we used to call Asperger's. So, a lot of people talk about Asperger's. We mm. now call that autism level one. Mm. So, he just needs a bit of support so every it's now and then. Slightly on the spectrum. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, he can function, he can go to school, he can dress himself, he can do everything every Highly other child functioning. can do. But. 
His capacity to tolerate ongoing stress, ongoing noise is reduced or impaired. Mm. And so Cody will come to me and go, at the end of church, for example, I've had enough, I need to go home. Now, I know that he has to go home, that mm. he's not just being a teenager who wants to go and watch TV, mm. that he needs to go. But to the person who's talking to me, all they're seeing is a teenage boy hassling his mother to say, come on, mum, I want to go. So people might look at it and think, oh, he's just... Just trying being, to get out yeah, of Yeah, just trying to get out of church or, mm. oh, Louise is too soft on him. Mm. She gives into his every request. But I know that if I was to refuse him, that he is either going to find himself very distressed mm. in the church car park, um, not anymore, but as a child, he may say or do something that he will regret. Mm. Um, he's got far more self-control now. Or he will go home and just fall apart. Mm. So I know the consequences of not supporting him. Mm-hmm. But to people on the outside, it just looks like I'm soft. And so that's that's a journey. And I think the more you get to know other families who've got children with autism, the more you listen to the experience of families who've got a child with autism, the more you get to understand the ways we tweak our lifestyles. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll be honest with you. I mean, you see a child melting down in a grocery store. I mean, it comes across your mind, oh, mm. those parents are just too permissive. And look at see, they're melting down because they're used to getting their way. Yeah. Where now that I know what I know because you're teaching me, could be that they were overstimulated or something. Yeah. Because yeah. of their autistic yeah. inside, they're ordering. Yeah. This is melting them down yeah. and there's nothing really... You yeah. could, as a parent, you could have done hardly. And look, well, yes, I should have left the shopping center an hour earlier. That's, oh, that, yeah. that's always what I take home with mm-hmm. is, oh, my poor son, he is really distressed and suffering now. I should have read the signs earlier mm-hmm. and dropped him home even and then come back. I should have, you know, picked him up earlier. Yeah, but sometimes you just got to get stuff done. Sometimes you got to get stuff done. <laughs> yeah. And that's the balance you always yeah. play. Mm-hmm. But I think we need to give parents with children with any additional needs the benefit of the doubt Mm. that when they say, we just can't do this, that they're not trying to use their child as an excuse. Mm. They probably genuinely would love to do whatever you've Mm. invited them to, but it's just not possible. And my favourite question to ask people is, how can I support your family so that you can be involved in church. Hmm. What will it take to enable you to be able to come to church this week? Because some parents aren't going to church because of this? Absolutely. I give it's my just son, too much? Yeah. When my son was a bit younger, I gave him a body break. During the song before the sermon, I let him go out to the playground. I'd go out with him. Hmm. But I would allow him to leave the church and have a run around outside so that he would get through the sermon. Hmm. And I actually didn't mind too much what other people thought of me doing that. Mm. But I did have a mother come to me a few months later and say, I have really enjoyed seeing how you support Cody, knowing Mm. he has autism, because that's now what I'm doing with my son. Oh, okay. So if I've got to be the one to, to, you know, set the tone and set Mm. the pace, then I'll do it. That's what you got to do. Yeah. Okay. Well, unfortunately, we're quickly running out of time, but- How can we kind of wrap up our conversation here? What is your take-home message for people listening today? I think my my ultimate take-home message is to understand that when God created people, he created them 
with so much diversity. Mm-hmm. And I really believe that the traits that we see in autism were probably present from the beginning of creation. Mm-hmm. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, it is our responsibility and our joy to work alongside each other to celebrate our differences and to also make sure that we provide an experience of community and church that actually caters for the needs and the differences of everyone in our family of faith. And we should say that over history, people who were on the spectrum have had some of the most profound discoveries and inventions. Uh, uh, yes. Tesla, I'm thinking, uh, who invented ACDC, the current, not the group. Yes. <laughs> Uh, but, I mean, the list goes on. Yeah. Ironically, because of the person on the spectrum's ability to focus on one particular topic. That's right. They're able to invent Their things. dogged determination to get to the bottom of something. Yeah. It's incredible. And have had a tremendous contribution to society. Absolutely. Over the years. And who knows? Maybe your child will as well. Who knows? Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Thanks so much, Eric. Well, that was the conclusion of Eric Scadabo's three-part conversation with Louise Griffiths. Louise is a special support educator at Mount Evelyn Christian School on the east side of Melbourne, and she's also a lecturer in special education at Eastern College Australia. During today's chat, Louise mentioned Sue Larkey, who's a tremendous source of information for those teaching or caring for someone on the autism spectrum. To find out more, her website is suelarkey.com. Dot com dot au. That's Sue, S-U-E, Larky, L-A-R-K-E-Y, dot com dot au. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this three-part series with Louise Griffiths. It was great to hear her insights into being a parent of a child on the autism spectrum and how we can all learn to better minister to children with special needs. As it says in the Bible, whoever brings blessing will be enriched and one who waters will himself be watered. And until next time, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. The Story. Just another way Vision is helping you look to God daily. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.